Hey there, welcome to Livewire. I'm Luke Burbank. We have a great episode in store for you this week. You might even say it's the best show that we've done in a while, except I think that might actually be trademarked by our first guest, Tom Sharpling, because of course he hosts the legendary weekly call-in radio show, The Best Show. He's also a TV writer. He worked on the show Monk, and he's got a memoir out chronicling his struggles, his triumphs, and also his deep And I mean like very deep dislike for Billy Joel, which I don't necessarily agree with, but everyone's entitled to their opinion. Uh, We're also going to hear some hilarious comedy from one of our stand-up pals, Mohanad Elsheki, and we'll get music from the super cool Oregon band, Maita. So that is the plan. Legally, we can't call it the best show. So how about this Amer... No, um, wait, wait. uh, I don't know. Just stick around. It's going to be great. It starts right after this. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you can call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Elena. Hey, Luke. How's it going? It is going really well this week, I have to tell you. And not just because we are about to play a round of station location identification examination, but partially because of that, because this is one of my favorite times of the week. This is where I quiz you on a place in America where Livewire is on the radio, and you try to guess where that is. And I got to say, like, you know, baseball is entering the playoffs. People are talking about batting averages. I feel like you're batting like 900. Is that good or bad? That's so good. If you were a baseball player, you would be first ballot in Cooperstown Hall of Fame. <laughs> All right. This place uh, was once home to Klondike Kate, who was a famous vaudeville singer and dancer of the Gold Rush era. Well, the Klondike is in one place, and I believe the Gold Rush was in another place. You are correct about those two things. And this is uh, sort of in neither of those places. <laughs> It's like Miami. (laughs) Okay, let me give you another hint. This might help. And I'm just going to mention, this place is not far from where you and I live, Elena. In fact, I have been to this place, and I can tell you this next part is very true. It's known as Beertown, USA, and they have an ale trail where visitors can get a passport, and then you can get it stamped by the 18 breweries that are on the ale trail. Oh, okay. Well, that's Bend, Oregon. That is exactly where it is. <laughs> Klondike Kate was in Bend, Oregon, huh? <laughs> That's right. Klondike Kate and the Ale Trail, both things that Bend, Oregon is known for. 
Also, KOAB Radio and KLBR, where we are on the radio in Bend. So shout out to everyone on the Ale Trail tuning in to Livewire. All right, should we get to the show? Yes, let's do it. All right, take it away. From PRX, it's... This week, the best show host and writer, Tom Sharpling. My two heroes were Al Sharpton and Gary Shandling. So I'm like, why don't we combine those two? And uh, that's who I will become. And comedian, Mohanad Elsheki. So one of the things I used to get is, uh, where's your accent from? Which is like, I don't know, my mouth? With music from Maita and our fabulous house band. I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello. And now the host of Livewire, Lou. Hey, thank you so much, Elena Passarello. Thanks to everyone tuning in in Bend, Oregon, and all over the country. Of course, we like to ask the Livewire listeners a question every week. This week we've asked, what is your controversial music opinion? This is because we're going to be talking to Tom Sharpling from The Best Show, and uh, he has got a lot of musical hot takes. So we're going to hear your listener answers to that question coming up. First, though, of course, we've got to start things with... The best news we heard all week. This This right here is our little reminder at the top of the show that there is still some good news happening out there in the world. Lena, what is the best news that you heard all week? All right. You got to jump in the Wayback Machine with me here, Burbank, to 2014. One thing that was huge in 2014 was the Ice Bucket Challenge. Sure, of course. Yeah, raising money for ALS, I think. That's right. Uh, they raised $115 million through this viral video campaign where celebrities and regular folks challenged each other to dump buckets of ice over their heads after donating to ALS research and treatment mm-hmm. development. And, you know, like that was sort of sweeping the nation and then it went the way of the pet rock. Uh, it sort of <laughs> stopped happening. But it turns out that some really great stuff is starting to happen because of that uh, $115 million. For example, two, according to NPR, $2.2 million of that money went to fund the development and trial of this new drug that treats ALS symptoms called AMX0035. It slows the effects of the neurogenitive disease for which there is no cure, and it just got FDA approval this week. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that was eight years ago, right? The the Ice Bucket Challenge was like, you know, sweeping the nation, like dance marathons and pole sitting. I'm trying to think of old historical yeah. facts. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, those were hundreds of years ago, but yes, those were things we were all doing. And it turns out that the whole Ice Bucket Challenge juggernaut has funded 130 research projects all over the world, 40 treatment research plans. In 2016, it funded a gene sequencing project that led to the discovery of the ALS gene. So, you know, I have to admit that I kind of rolled my eyes when I saw all my friends dumping ice buckets over their heads. I was just like, you know, you could just donate the money. But there's something about that virality that really made just a global difference. I guess we should start dumping buckets of something all over ourselves for other reasons now, uh, to raise money for other causes. Well, exactly. And by the way, 
You can still donate to various uh, ALS research associations and folks that are helping people dealing with ALS. And you can just dump a bucket of ice over your head if you're bored. You don't even have to videotape it. (laughs) Uh, The best news that I saw this week is coming all the way from Germany, a community over there in central Germany called Brevord. And I want to apologize to our German listeners about my pronunciation of that part of the world. But there is a farmer over there. His name is Friedrich Staple. And a couple of weeks ago, he was out looking at his herd of cows. And amidst his herd of cows was an unlikely character, a baby wild pig. Oh, no. <laughs> who has now been named Frida. I don't know if, have you seen this photo yet, Elena? No, I love a baby pig. <laughs> it's like a Disney film in the making. Of course, you know. Radio is a notoriously visual medium, so that's why I chose this story, where the entire selling point is how cute this pig is. But it's a wild pig, so it looks almost like, I don't know which one was Timon and which one was Pumbaa. It looks like the warthog a little bit from the uh, the original animated Lion King. Yeah, it's definitely got a, got a, a big noggin. Fur covered. Anyway, they think that Frida was separated from its pack of wild boars when they were trying to cross this river in the area. And so the cows have just like adopted Frida and are just taking care of the pig and making sure it gets fed and are looking out for it. And what's kind of interesting is that Frederick Staple, who's this farmer, he strikes me really as like, I don't know, like if this was Babe, he'd be like the James Cromwell character. I know I'm moving between childhood movies, but because wild pigs actually can do a fair amount of damage to the landscape because they to root around and, you know. They're pretty strong. In fact, I once took a trip to a remote island off of California with these hunters from New Zealand who were there just to eliminate the wild pig population because they were doing so much damage. So you've got Friedrich, this farmer, who knows that Frida the pig is going to grow up to basically like tear up his whole farm. But he loves her so much that he just can't, he can't help for it. He's just going to let her live there. He's putting her in the barn for the winter and feeding her. They've instructed the local hunters to not hunt Frida. She's like becoming the mascot of this little corner of Germany. So the children's movie about Frida is coming out in how many seconds? Like, <laughs> Right. Uh, I'd give it like, I don't know, a week tops. It'll be on one of the streaming services that I'm currently paying for. So the farmer with a heart of gold and the little wild pig that touched his heart. That's the best news that I heard this week. All right, let's invite our first guest on over to the show. For the last 19 years, he's hosted the legendary weekly call-in radio show, The Best Show. He's also an Emmy Award winner for the TV show Monk, which he was a writer on, an executive producer. And now he's got a memoir out. It's titled It Never Ends, a memoir with nice memories. And this chronicles his struggles, his triumphs, and why he is still upset about the seat that he had at a Billy Joel concert back when he was a teenager. This is our interview with Tom Sharpling, which we recorded in front of a live audience at the Alberta Rose Theater back in 2021. Take a listen. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, this book is is really uh, funny and heartfelt. It starts off with you talking about how you'd always been thinking, maybe I should write a book, but you wanted to write, like, the perfect book. 
and then you were in a bookstore and you noticed that DJ Khaled, the <laughs> we the best guy, yeah. had written a book and you thought, yeah. ah, f*** it. Pretty much. <laughs> I was, that was, yes, that's when I kind of figured between DJ Khaled and uh, Rob Gronkowski, football uh, legend. Noted Rob literary Gronkowski. professional. I was like, if he has a book, I can write a book too. What was the process of actually getting down to writing it, though, after all those years of kind of thinking about it? What was that like for you? Yeah, it was kind of like I had thought about it so much that it was weirdly easy to start because I had been thinking about it for about 15 years, and it was just kind of waiting to do it. And then I started doing it, and then it got really hard. <laughs> I'd, like, drive around at night, and I'd be like, I think I'm turning my life into just a joke that everybody's going to laugh at me. These are like the saddest things that ever happened to me. And I'm just like turning myself into like a weird punchline. And like, I was waiting for people to be like, yeah, I like the story when you were, had the breakdown. That was funny. I'd be like, funny? That was the worst thing that ever happened to me. I'd be like, oh, I thought it was funny. So. Tom, you and I were both like radio obsessed kids. You write in the book about going to college and that there was a radio station at your college that only broadcast within the college and that sometimes they would turn off the speaker in the cafeteria so it meant the person was broadcasting to literally no one. Yeah, it was like a, they call it like carrier current radio, which is a polite way of saying it's you're playing on the PA inside the same building. <laughs> and then like people would be upstairs DJing and taking it so seriously. And then somebody just down in the student center would just change the station on the thing <laughs> <laughs> with the other person not even knowing that nobody was hearing what they were doing. Well, how did you get the best show then from those inauspicious beginnings? Well, I started uh, volunteering at a radio station called WFMU, which is a listener-sponsored station. Yeah. yeah. And it's, Legendary uh, New York station. Absolutely, yeah. Legendary New Jersey station. Excuse me. You say New Jersey, I say tomato. Sure. So you're at WFMU, famously in New Jersey. <laughs> yes. We, we, John Worcester, who is uh, my comedy partner, and we... But this was the start of our comedy partnership. We were just friends, and we'd talk on the phone. He was in North Carolina. I was in New Jersey. And we would just goof around, and we're like, why don't we just do this on the radio show and see what that's like? And we came up with this idea where he would call in as a, a critic who had written a book called Rock, Rot, and Rule, <laughs> and was like the... It basically put himself in the position of being a, an expert, and that he was going to say which band. The book basically, the theoretical book, consisted of these bands rock, these bands rot, these <laughs> bands rule. And it was just lists. And, but he talked like an authority, which is the best way to drive people nuts. Because now everybody's just like, wait, this moron has a, got a book deal? And literally thinks like... Like he'd be like, oh, David Bowie only rocks or, or rots because there's too many changes. And it would just like... The audience, so then the phones lit up the second we started. <laughs> Everybody from the audience was just ready to fight him because he was talking like an expert, which is the best way to irritate people. Act like an expert when you don't know what you're talking about. And then he said, well, Madness invented Ska, no. the band <laughs> Madness. And then the phones really blew up then. And people would be just like, a lot of... All of like the actually people came out of the uh -huh. woodwork then. The actually, there's nothing with the yes. self-appointed experts 
seize on more quickly than someone they hear being an expert and doing it they think incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Now they again. If so, if you hear somebody has a book deal and you know more about it than they do, you want to like literally fight them. And these people were like, I knew a couple of the people who called in. I was like, oh no, we're pranking you right now. You're taking this very seriously. I'm going to have to apologize to you later. And then when we put it out on a CD, I was like, I'm so sorry that I took your one moment calling a radio show, and now it lives forever. And that, that became kind of legendary. Lots of people passing that CD around. I mean, that thing was kind of viral before we had that term. Yeah, it was, I guess, what would you call that? Was it venereal back then? <laughs> yes. Wow. That sounds so much worse. This seems yes. like a good time to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask about your antipathy towards Billy Joel uh, in a moment. This is Livewire Radio. We're talking to Tom Sharpling. His new memoir is It Never Ends, a memoir with nice memories. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, Elena. Hey, Luke. I didn't see you there. It's that time of year again. My seasonal allergies are back. Oh, congratulations. But also, it's our spring member drive, which is happening right now through May 17th. Oh, I like that much more than seasonal allergies. Yeah, if you are not yet a member of Livewire's League of Extraordinary Listeners, well, now is the time to do it. Why? Well, because this League of Extraordinary Listeners... Uh, is what keeps the lights on over at Livewire Inc., uh, which is definitely not the association that we are part of. I'm probably a 501c3. They don't let me near any of the paperwork mm-hmm. or bookkeeping, and it's really better that way. Yes. Point is, we we are only able to keep doing this show because of support from our members, and we would love it if you could join us in that right now. Plus, there are all kinds of sweet perks, including... Uh, special discounted tickets to live recordings, on-air shout-outs, exclusive content. Uh, and, Elena, uh, one more thing, that, of course, we would not be a self-respecting public radio show if we didn't offer this. If we didn't offer the most iconic public radio swag of all time, a tote bag. True iconic status. Yeah, but it's not just any tote bag. This is like a really good tote bag. It's got a second zipper, an internal zipper. Yes, whatever you want to put in the tote bag, that's your business, Okay. What we're mm-hmm. here to talk about is you keeping LiveWire going. So head on over to LiveWireRadio.org to see the various member levels. It does not matter how much you are giving every month to LiveWire. It just matters that you do it because it goes a long way for us. So thank you. Vacations, weddings, birthdays, and reunions. Oh, my. There's so much going on. Get the most out of your spring plans by stocking up on pre-alcohol now. ZBiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night, drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to zbiotics.com/slash. LiveWire to get 15% off your first order when you use LiveWire at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. 
remember to head to zbiotics.com slash livewire and use the code livewire at checkout for 15% off. Thank you to Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Welcome back to LiveWire from PRX. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello and a bunch of beautiful masked people at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon. We're talking to Tom Sharpling from The Best Show. He also worked on uh, the TV show Monk. His new book is It Never Ends, a memoir with nice memories. One of the hotter takes in this book is uh, the fact that, that you're not a Billy Joel fan. Um, you lay that out in a chapter. Why, for the people out there who are getting ready to call in angrily, sure. Well, what, what would your what, what would your take be on why Billy Joel is not not the greatest? Team? Generally, his music. Oh. <laughs> I'd say it starts with the music that he writes and records. Okay. All right. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> you do sort of come around at the end of the chapter. I believe. Well, first of all, you tell a story of going to a Billy Joel concert in your youth that was kind of formative for you because it was like the sort of cool kids had an extra Billy Joel ticket or kids that you didn't oh, have yeah, any, yeah. anything socially in, in common with and you went to this Billy Joel show mm-hmm. and your seats were so... Well, first you tried to buy a yeah. switchblade that didn't go well. Well, I didn't. One of these... The cool kids. The cool kids. One of the cool kids, we take the train from New Jersey into the city is what you call New York City when you're from New Jersey. Um... So we take the train in, get out of Penn Station, and he's like, I want to go to Times Square. And, and we're just like, whoa, that's a, like the scariest place on earth. What are we, we're 13. What are we doing? So we go to Times Square, and, and he's like, I want to buy a switchblade. And we're like, who are you? Like, you're in eighth grade. What are you going to do with a switchblade? So then we, he goes, we're in Times Square, and it's still, it's like the end of bad Times Square, but before, like, the M&M store showed up. Right. So, wasn't there <laughs> Which yet. Which some would say is a new version of bad Times Square. Bad, yes, exactly. Um, but, so then some guy comes up, sees, he sees these dumb suburban kids from a mile away, and he's like, what do you guys need? And he's like, I want a switchblade. <laughs> and the guy goes, all right, 30 bucks. And my friend goes like, no, that's too much. So like he's negotiating to buy a switchblade. It's like, you even know the market value of a switchblade? How is this possible? So he's like, all right, 20. And then he's like, you stay here, I'll be back. And then the guy takes off, comes back a few minutes later with this like paper bag. And he pulls my friend's pant leg up and jams it in the sock. And he's like, give me the money, give me the money. And then hands him the money and the guy runs. And we're like, well, we can't look at it right here on the street because... A, it's a weapon. So we go to a department. I went to like Macy's or something to, and then go into the bathroom. And then my friends at the urinal, my friend, this was just a jock who I wanted to fit in with. And they wanted nothing to do with me outside of that. I would buy the fourth Billy Joel ticket off of them. I must have been like the 80th person they asked. So then he's at the urinal and I suddenly hear him go, like, oh, mother, blah, 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 and then. He storms out of the bathroom, and then there's a uh, Mounds bar <laughs> laying in the urinal. So he paid twenty dollars for a Mounds bar. Aww. So, um, 
But don't go all. He was a terrible person. A terrible young person. I'm sure he's twice as bad as an adult. But then you got to soften the blow with the Billy Joel show. Oh, well, that was the reward for all the hard work. And so we go to the Billy Joel show, and this kid who just lost 20 bucks on a switchblade, he's like, I don't want to go to this show. I'm going to scout my ticket. And he goes up to a guy, he's like, I'm selling my ticket. And the guy looks at it, he's like, I don't want this. This is the, literally the worst seat in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> out of 20,000 seats, this is the worst seat. And it was because it was the last row of the upper deck, literally behind the stage. Like the seats that Billy Joel, by all rights, should not be selling, but he'll sell them to you. And then, like, so... We're currently being taken off the air in Long Island, yeah. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> so then this kid who, again, is 13, at the most 14, he's, like, just goes up to the concession stand and starts buying these gigantic beers. And they're just selling them to him. <laughs> so he's so drunk. It's like... And it was just, like... And he ended up spilling one of the beers on one of the other guy's tour book, tour oh, right. program. program. So that he was, nobody was happy that night. Uh, we're talking to Tom Sharpling about his new book, It Never Ends, a memoir with nice memories. Um, all right, Tom, another sort of news flash in this book, something that I was unaware of, uh, is that Tom Sharpling is not your birth name. No, it's not. Your uh, original name was Thomas Giuliano. That's correct. Um, and uh, in the book, you explain the... Backstory that involved like cassette tapes and also Gary Shandling and Al Sharpton? Yeah, it was kind of a combination. When I was 18, my two heroes were Al Sharpton and Gary Shandling. So I'm like, <laughs> why don't we combine Natch. those two <laughs> hall of heroes for me? And uh, that's who I will become. I, I feel, I'm sure a lot of the listeners to the best show kind of feel like they have a bit of a sense of you. And I, as a listener, felt I had a sense of you. And then in this book, there's a lot of stuff that was new information, and one of the things you write about is something you said you had pretty much kept a secret in your life, which mm -hmm. was that you dealt with some mental health issues in high school, and you actually went through shock therapy. What was it? Well, I guess the first question is, why did you decide to include that in the book? Why did I decide to do it? I, I, okay, sorry. <laughs> why did you decide to put it, it in like the book? It seemed like a fun thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> now, why did I put it in? It was just one of those things. If I was going to write a book that told stories from my life, I knew... I'd truly be denying like the, the hub of everything that has been run. Everything was informed by that for me for, for my whole life. And just you, things happen and either you, know, you can bury them and hide from them. And that's what I did for most of my life. And I was just like, well, if I'm going to do this book, I'm just going to talk about it and just own it. Kind of just get it out there. And it kind of unburdened myself in the process also. Yeah. So. I never thought I was going to get cheers over my electroconvulsive therapy. But now, welcome I feel to Portland, like I, baby. I feel like I, yes, thank you. I'm like I'm at the ECT awards and I'm holding the. I did it. Billy, Jaden, go to bed. Daddy's coming home. He won the ECT. One of the things, though, that is very uh, fun and smart about this book is when you get into heavy stuff, you then will follow that up with like a, a story of unqualified triumph. 
yeah. so that you can kind of, you know, keep keep things on a bit of an even keel in the book. Uh, unqualified triumphs, like pitches that you've made for like projects or videos that are not actually picked up, but they make you laugh. Like your idea for a Paul Simon video. Yeah, yeah. There's a recurring theme in the book that's revealing itself to me right now. This book is pretty much just me listing who I would want to see get hurt and things. And I like Paul Simon, so don't beat me up afterwards. He just happy 80th birthday. He just had his 80th. God bless you, Paul Simon. Garfunkel, not so much. Um, but no, I direct music videos now and again, and. Somebody had said, hey, do you want to pitch ideas for Paul Simon for this new album he has coming up? And this was a while ago, as you'll see by the pitch I made. I was just like, you know, that OK Go video where they did like the giant Rube Goldberg thing yes. was really popular uh, a year or so before. And I was just like, well, what if we do one where Paul Simon's getting ready to do one of those and he's in like a jumpsuit and, it, and then the song starts and then like the all the crap starts falling and everything, but then like a giant oil drum rolls and knocks him over <laughs> and like seriously hurts him. <laughs> and like he doubles over, clutching his leg in agony and then lays there for a minute before the crew figures out he's really hurt. <laughs> but it's all one shot. And then people come and over. And the song is still playing. Song's still playing. People come over. Are you okay? He's clearly not okay. <laughs> then eventually an ambulance kind of pulls in. <laughs> Some medics help him in the back, and they would just follow him in the ambulance until the song stopped. And then here's the <laughs> spoiler alert. Paul Simon did not want to make this video. Aww. But it does get filed under unqualified triumph in the book. Yes. <laughs> unqualified. <laughs> Do you ever... Uh, sort of sit back and take stock of kind of where you've ended up in your life. You have this successful professional career as an entertainer. You're a TV writer. You've got this popular radio show. To think about kind of where you were in your life, particularly in your high school years when you were dealing with really profound depression and suicidal ideation and just to, to figure out, to sit back and kind of see that you got through that and you got to this point in your life. I mean, does it ever just amaze you how it all ended up? Oh, absolutely. I it, truly, I can't believe I'm still alive, honestly. It was so bad, I was, it, it just seemed built into things that I was not going to make it, and I did make it, and I'm just grateful for everything. Even though there were huge challenges with all the ECT stuff, like memory loss, like enormous amounts of memory loss that I've d been dealing with ever since then, I'm still alive, and that's kind of, I guess that's the best version of things, right? Yeah. Well, you're here on this stage. Yes. No, right. I'm With a bunch of your fans in a, the audience. That's pretty good. No, that was a joke. I'm <laughs> truly grateful for everything and for how I got through it all. Tom Sharpling, ladies and gentlemen, his new book, It Never uh, Ends, A Memoir with Nice Memories, is available now. Thank you so much. That was Tom Sharpling right here on Livewire. Uh, his latest book, It Never Ends, A Memoir with Nice Memories, is available now. And since we last spoke to Tom, he has completed a 24-hour-long episode of his radio show, The Best Show. And he had some real humdinger guests, John Oliver, Conan O'Brien, Nathan Fielder. And uh, you can catch that as an eight-part podcast or just watch it straight on YouTube, all 24 hours of it. It's available now.
Hey, special thanks this episode to Christopher Zimmerman of Portland, Oregon, and Jed Foster of Auburn, Washington. Did you know that Christopher and Jed are part of the Livewire member community, and they generously support our show with a donation each month, which is how we're able to keep doing Livewire week in and week out? Yes, they are. And yes, you can be as well. So big thanks to Jed and Christopher for keeping Livewire going. This is Livewire. Of course, we ask the listeners a question each week. This week, because of Tom Sharpling's musical hot takes, we wanted to know from the Livewire listeners, what's your controversial music opinion? Elena has been collecting up those responses. What are you seeing? Ooh, okay, everybody put on your of gloves because these are some hot takes. Oof. Piping hot takes. <laughs> like this one from Paul who says, people should sit at concerts. Mm. Wow. I mean that's I mean that is a polarizing statement. I, I can see why that makes sense. A, I'm old and I want to sit all the time. B, I'm short-ish, so uh, I usually can't see so great. But it feels weird to go to a live show to imagine going to a live show and 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 sort of reclining. Like like at the Nick Cave show at the Arlene Schnitzer, which is this fancy concert hall in Portland, we were all sitting very still with our hands in our laps, and then he just kind of like launched into the crowd like an evangelical crow and everybody just like rushed the stage and like because we could he, he didn't want us sitting and we didn't want to sit we were just like ah! so i don't know if our listeners necessarily know who nick cave is but evangelical crow is the most perfect description <laughs> of nick cave i mean ideally you'd be in a concert setting where there is an area that everybody who wants to stand can stand and the folks that might want to sit can also kind of sit I wouldn't mind the obstruction, but when people are standing in front of you and they're holding up their cell phones, I am just not of the generation. It just totally takes me out of the experience. So Paul's dream is for everyone to sit. My dream is for only cell phone free shows. We don't have this problem with live wire in the live space. No one's cell phone recording us. We got to get more dynamic, Elena. No, that's fine. (laughs) We have to make it so people are like, I must capture this for history with my phone. All right, what's another uh, controversial music opinion one of our listeners has? I share this one with Justin, and I don't even know if it's that controversial. Justin says, I am still mad about that U2 album being put on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If I remember right, this auto-downloaded onto people with, like if you had an iPhone, it auto-downloaded a U2 song or something? Yeah, what a bad idea. And one of the funny repercussions of it is my 75-year-old mother-in-law now, whenever she gets into her Apple CarPlay uh, activated Volkswagen, Uh the beginning of that U2 album plays and she goes, ah, U2, and then she shuts it off. (laughs) Because it basically just comes up automatically. Right, because it alphabetizes that way. I had the song A Punk by Vampire Weekend, which is like a very jarring song, but because it starts with an A, it used to start playing every time I would start my car for years, which was like something they do to people to try to break them. And, you know, peace and love to the folks in Vampire Weekend. But if I never hear that song again, it'll be fine. (laughs) All right, one more 
controversial opinion from one of our listeners. Who doggy. Okay, so this one comes from within the house of our Livewire staff. The call is coming from inside the house? There are already people talking about it in the chat while we try Uh-oh. to record this. The newest addition to the Livewire team, Tunvi, claims that Waka Flocka Flame is more talented than Mozart. And that, my friends, is the hot take we're looking for. My goodness. The problem is, I don't know enough about Waka or Mozart. (laughs) (laughs) I have 50% knowledge. I know quite a bit about Mozart, but the only thing I know about Waka Flocka Flame was just put into the chat by Tunvi, and it's that Waka Flocka Flame had a higher ACT score than Barack Obama. (laughs) I thought Tunvi was going to say, then Mozart. And I was going to say, come on, I don't think they had the ACT. Yeah, no, they didn't. Uh, 500 years ago. And it was in Austria, so it would have been like the Ah Sock Ted or something. I don't know. Maybe we'll circle back to this topic in a future show. And between now and then, we can let uh, the folks in the comment section kind of duke it out over the merits of Waka versus the merits of Mozart. All right. Thank you to everyone who sent in responses to our uh, question this week. We've got another one coming up for next week's show, which we are going to reveal in just a bit. In the meantime, it's time to welcome our next guest onto the program. He made his national TV debut on Conan. He's been featured on Comedy Central, and he's toured with Pop-Up Magazine. He worked on Full Frontal with Samantha B as well and has been featured on the podcast Love It or Leave It, Pod Save the People, and this show, Livewire. Take a listen to Mohanad Elsheki, recorded back in 2021 at the Alberta Rose Theater. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, you know, I got so lucky. I got to spend the past 18 months working from home, which was great for me because a uh, few years ago, I used to do customer service. Anyone here does that or used to do that? Yeah, a few people. The rest of you are just the 1%. <laughs> I hate customer service. It's the worst. It's the worst thing you could do in life. Like, working in customer service is the reason... I don't believe that all lives matter, you know? (laughs) You know, people like, when I work in customer service, would like, always want to guess my accent, which is great for both of us. Uh, And people here, like in Portland, would never ask you where you're from. They always like find a sneaky way to do it. So one of the things I used to get is, uh, where's your accent from? (laughs) Which is like, I don't know, my mouth is just like, (laughs) that's how speech works, you know? Uh, But I remember I had this one guy specifically who approached me and he was like, hey man, I'm gonna ask you something and this is gonna be like a white dude thing to ask, which, you know, always excites me. And he was like, are you Persian? And I was like, no, I am not. And he was like, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, no, I, mean, I wish I had your confidence. That's super amazing. Uh, and he was like, no, I'm just asking because my dad, my dad is Persian. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, do you think I'm your dad? <laughs> Have you been walking around retail stores just looking for vaguely ethnic men? Just... I mean, father? (laughs) I would never have a kid this dumb. Uh, uh, I live in New York City now, and uh, I've spent the whole pandemic in my apartment watching so much true crime. 
Yeah. Like, not on TV, but like from my window. And... Uh, well, we're back now, like, you know, taking Ubers and stuff, which is, which is great, but I, I have, like, a lot of social anxiety when talking to Uber drivers. It's just, I, I hate talking to Uber drivers. It's, like, nothing against them. It's just me. It's the worst thing ever. And, you know, you're like, hey, man, like, there are, like, worse things in life that could happen. And, you know, uh, eight years ago, I was driving my car back home. And when I say home, I'm originally from, from Libya, specifically from the city of Benghazi, which I'm sure you've only heard good things about. <laughs> and I got stopped at a checkpoint. And these checkpoints were, like, mostly controlled by, like, these militias. They were, like, everywhere, like ISIS and stuff. I don't know if you remember them. They kind of fell off. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, they searched my car up and down, and then one of them approached me, and he was like, hey, before you go, I'm going to ask you something. And he was like, who do you support, us or them? And I was like, that was a, that's a great question, sir. Uh, that really depends. Are you uh, us or them? <laughs> and he was like, no, we have to pick. And I was like, uh, God? <laughs> I support God. And they were like, that's super dope, yeah? That's the whole brand here, actually. So good job, you can go. Uh, and if you're like, what is the point of this story? Like, what is it that you're trying to tell us? The point I'm trying to make is that I'd rather deal with all of that than have my Uber driver talk to me. LAUGHTER <laughs> uh. Yeah, growing up, I, I grew up in a religious family, and growing up, I had a middle school teacher who would tell us about what happens to us when we die and when we go to heaven. And one of the things he used to say is that in heaven, we get rivers of honey. Yes. And I remember being like, well, that sounds exciting for a bear. <laughs> you know, a few days in, I'd be like, God, this sucks. <laughs> This is sticky. Like, I thought you loved me. What's up with this? Uh, two years ago, I, uh, I, was, I, was, I, was doing, I was doing comedy in, in, in Washington State, in a city called Spokane, Washington. And, you know, I was doing comedy there, and, uh, you know, I finished my gig, and then I was going back to Portland. I got on the Greyhound bus. Which, you know, I, cause I did that because I believe that the best art comes from torture. Uh, got on the bus, like, this is the worst thing that could happen to me today. And then I look up and I see these two people wearing uniforms walking down the aisle. And then, you know, they approach me and they ask me where I'm from. I tell them and then they're like, do you have a passport? And I'm like, well, sir, this is a bus. Uh, I'm not sure what to tell you. And he was like, okay, give us your papers and everything you have, and let's step outside of the bus. And then I learned that these people were uh, border patrol, which sucks. Uh, and then, you know, and it sucks because like, they asked me to step outside based on the way I looked. You know, they looked at me and they were like, this guy looks too handsome to be from Spokane. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you know. And then we talked outside for like 20 minutes. I gave them my papers. They looked at them. They were like, these papers look fake. They're easily falsified. And I was like, well, these papers have been given to me by you. 
So maybe do a better job. I don't know. Like, uh, seems like a you problem at this point. Uh, and then they were like, okay, buddy, we're going to let you go now. But quick question. Uh, are you from, uh, from Oregon or Washington? And I was like, I support God. <laughs> <laughs> And they were like, what? I'm like, I don't know, man. That's how I talk to militias. Uh, yeah. And the thing that sucks about this is that this, like, I went out back on the bus, and, it, you know, like, it was, like, such a lonely feeling to feel like you're, like, you know, different from everyone, like, everyone, like, looking at you. And it feels so lonely. Like, and I'm saying that as someone who's, like, you know, been to an Ariana Grande concert as an adult. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was all over the news because I tweeted about it and it went viral, which shouldn't have done. But, you know, I was getting like a lot of death threats from people, which, you know, not fun. Uh, but the worst part was that not what, that my civil rights were violated or that I had to deal with like death threats or any of that. It was the fact that the, for two weeks, the whole nation knew that I can only afford Greyhound buses. <laughs> really sucked for me and my brand. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to end with this. Uh, you know, a lot of people like during the pandemic got super creative with their time, you know, like on TikTok, Instagram, and all of that, getting like, you know, these cool stuff outside. And apparently people don't like it when you have fun. Uh, and so there was like this uh, opinion section in the Washington Post. And by the way, I, I don't know if you've seen opinions lately, Extremely bad, like not a single good, good opinion. Uh, and you know, the opinion was about like, you know, like, oh my God, young people like would do anything for followers. Like the things they do for followers are just absolutely insane. Like anything for followers just doesn't make sense. And I was like, you know, sir, I do understand your point, but like it did work for Jesus. <laughs> Like, the man literally died for his followers. <laughs> and now has, like, what, two billion? Good PR move, Jesus. Like, that's an upgrade from what he had before. Like, 12, mostly his buddies. Like, good. Yes. And it's been a while since we had him. Like, I don't know, like, 20,000, 21 years. Don't quote me on this. I'm not a history buff. But, uh... We still sell his merch to this day. Like, <laughs> he even got a book deal out of it. Uh, <sighs> what I'm trying to say is, you know, like his father like created the universe, but Jesus created content, and that's what matters in this day and age. Anyway, my name is Mahan Al Sheikhi. That's my time, everyone. Thank you, Mahan Al Sheikhi, everybody. That was Mohanad El Sheki right here on Livewire. You can also check him out on the I'm Sorry podcast, where he and his co-hosts process public and personal controversies and decide whether to forgive, forget, or cancel. I'm Luke Burbank. Right over there is Elena Passarello. We have to take a very quick break, but don't go anywhere because we're coming back in just a moment. Livewire is thrilled to be partnering with Portland's own Portal Tea this season. Formerly known as Tea Chai Tay, 
Portal Tea is the premier tea company in the Pacific Northwest, and they make one-of-a-kind handcrafted tea blends like cinnamon churro chai and blueberry cream Earl Grey. Use the code LIVEWIRE, all lowercase, for 20% off at portaltea.co. Welcome back to LiveWire. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Okay, before we get to this week's musical guest, a little preview of next week's episode of the show. We are going to have Sona Movsesian as one of our guests. She is probably best known for her, I guess you could say, complicated and hilarious relationship with her boss, who happens to be Conan O'Brien. Uh, she's on the podcast Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, among other places, and she's written a book about being a personal assistant called The World's Worst Assistant. We're also going to get some stand-up from the very funny Marcella Arguello, who's going to tell us about how she found common ground uh, with a Donald Trump supporter regarding an airport parking shuttle. Not the place that I was expecting political divisions to be mended, but that's what happened to Marcella. Also, we're going to get some incredible music from spiritual jazz duo Brown Calculus. Now, as far as the listener question for next week, Elena, what are we asking the listeners? We want to know, what is the worst job you've ever had? Gosh, I mean, <laughs> I had, before the age of probably 20, more jobs than some people have in a lifetime. That's mostly because I'm a bad employee and I was often let go, but... When you work in the theater, there's a lot of worst jobs you've ever had, both, <laughs> both on stage and as your survival job. So we'll have a good time next week with this one. All right, if you've got an answer to that question you want to share with us, you can submit via the internet on Twitter and Facebook. We're at LiveWireRadio.org. Okay, our musical guest this week was named Portland's Best New Band of 2020 by the Willamette Week. NPR calls their album a clear-eyed look at growing up and holding yourself responsible for actively creating the life you want to live instead of just waiting around for it to happen is profound and probably the journey we should all be on, actually. Uh, this is Maita, right here on LiveWire. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, I read an interview, Maria, in the Reed Alumni Magazine, where I believe you graduated, and you were saying that you will go to an open mic and you will listen to somebody performing an extremely cringy lyric and then you will ask yourself what's my version of that and then you will write it and put it in a song yeah that's <laughs> a tactic um that i use sometimes i feel bad saying that though <laughs> now that i think about it that seems like a bad way to get to a good lyric for you but what is it? is it freeing to hear someone else say it in a cringy way well i think that sometimes you have to hear what's not true to have mm -hmm. a visceral reaction of what the truth actually is and uh, it's like telling the truth and finding the truth in something is my main goal with songwriting. And when you hear something that feels kitschy or cliched, like you have to think like, why does this feel bad? And that's where you get to the truth, I think. Wow. What song are we going to hear? This song is off our record that came out during the pandemic. Uh, it's called A Beast. All right. This is Maita on Livewire.
That's Maita, right here on Livewire. That was Maita performing live at the Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, right here on Livewire. Their album, I Just Want to Be Wild for You, is out now. 
Okay, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Livewire. A huge thanks to our guests, Tom Sharpling, Mohanad Elsheki, and Maita. Livewire is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Heather D. Michelle is our executive director. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Our assistant editor is Trey Hester. Our marketing manager is Paige Thomas. And our production fellow is Tanvi Kumar. A. Walker Spring composes our music. Molly Pettit is our technical director and mixer. And our house sound is by D. Neil Blake. Additional funding provided by the Oregon Arts Commission, a state agency funded by the state of Oregon and the National Endowment for the Arts. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. This week, we'd like to thank members Christopher Zimmerman of Portland, Oregon, and Jed Foster of Auburn, Washington. For more information about our show or how you can listen to our podcast or check out our best news podcast, head on over to livewireradio.org. I'm Luke Burbank for Elena Passarello and the whole Livewire team. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Dear Livewire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait, actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time, because we love having this job. Uh, Thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.